Hi, this is Misty Phillip, and you are listening to the By His Grace podcast. I am excited to welcome David Dwaldi to the conversation today. David has an incredible life experience where he was living the so-called American dream when God got a hold of him and radically transformed his life. David is a, a coach to leaders. He inspires business leaders and people to live a life of meaning and of purpose, all by understanding that God is welcoming us into a place that we actually get to have a say in our lives. And it starts with understanding how greatly we are loved by our Savior. So I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation with David. So please sit back and enjoy David Dualdi. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Hey, David, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Misty, it is an absolute honor to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am too. You have a pretty amazing story and you do some pretty incredible things. So you help people break the cycles of self-sabotage and you help them to redefine what is possible and to help them to be accountable to themselves to do the things that they said they would do. And so I love that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I want to know more about the wake-up call that altered your life forever when you decided to abandon the American dream, which had actually become a nightmare for you, and talk about moving from a multi-million dollar sales corporate job to what you're doing now. So spill the beans. <laughs> spill the beans. I'm, I'm happy to. It's Growing up, all of us have our different experiences. And for, for those of us that you know grew up here in the United States, we have this term we throw around called the American dream, right? And if it's somewhat ambiguous, but the general sense is, you know, you get a job, you're making good money, you have the house, you have the car, you have the stability, and you've got 2.5 kids, white picket fence, the whole thing, right? That's what, that's what the quote unquote American dream is. But I think it's come a really long ways from what it was originally that was all around industry and potential and limitless capacity to create, to invent, to serve. And so for me, by the time I was about 26, I had quote unquote arrived at what everyone said I was supposed to be working towards a six figure salary, glass corner office, company car, generating millions of dollars in sales uh, on a senior leadership team, overseeing people that were generating millions and millions of dollars, top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. And every single day 
I question continuing on. I was working 70 to 80 hours a week. I was not present as a husband. I barely knew our, our, you know, our daughter at the time. It was recently, it was right around that time that our, we welcomed our first child. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am right now. Panic attacks, constant anxiety, stress through the roof. And the, uh, the wake up call was actually about a year from hell is <laughs> what we'll call it. It was something that uh, I'm so grateful for in retrospect, but I would not wish on my worst enemy. Because at that point in time, Misty, I grew up loving Jesus. I grew up in the church, my family, you know, I I'd always been very active. I almost became a pastor. I actually went to Bible college for a little bit. And it's, uh, it was really challenging because growing up, we hear all these terms around like calling, finding your calling and your purpose and what's God's calling for your life. And frankly, it actually caused a lot of major, major issues in me psychologically and mentally and emotionally because of uh, just the environment that I was in and not being able to get things clarified. And so I had gone into the workforce. I just went into the workforce. I always, I grew up in, in the Midwest. I'm a Kansas farm boy at heart. And so hard work solve most problems, right? You just get to work, get to work. And so I, I went into the workforce and I just built a career in sales. And the interesting thing was, is that I didn't ever feel like a salesperson. In fact, I, 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 I still don't like most salespeople <laughs> because I just, I never felt like a sales guy, but the, the series of events that happened in this uh, course of about a year or two, there were some things that started happening within the organization I was working for. And I was uh, in a management position and I came out to some of the ownership about some things that I saw going on with some of the other owners. It backfired massively. I ended up getting a $40,000 pay cut. My wife and I went through a miscarriage uh, and I ended up basically at, at that point, we've, you've probably seen like in the movies, you know, the big giant conference room with the big table in the middle and the big dogs are on one side and the little guys on the other side, that was me. And, uh, I was a little guy. I got cursed out. I was told that I was nothing more than, and my team were no more than assets and financial assets. And the, the reason that they couldn't fire me on the spot was because I was too much of a financial asset. They couldn't offset and justify letting me go, but I was on my way out very rapidly. And so it was a crisis of a bunch of different things, Misty, is that everything everyone said I was supposed to pursue in life to win and be successful I had quote unquote achieved from the outside looking in, like everything looked great. Like everything, everything looked like David Waldy is winning in life. <laughs> and inside I was dying. And there was two instances that happened that uh, all probably in the, the, the space of about a month, I was driving about 80 miles per hour down the interstate and I started to have a panic attack. I was able to pull off to the side of the road and I'm hyperventilating. Like things are, my vision's going blurry and I'm just like, I literally just lay into God, like all of the words you're not supposed to say, <laughs> all of them just pouring out anger and just rage and just frustration. Like, God, I've given you my entire life. I've tried with everything in me to walk according to uh, walk, according to scripture, to play, uh, stay plugged into the body, to, uh, to be faithful to my wife and to take care, like to be a good tither and church member, all the quote unquote, good Christian things, read my Bible, go to Bible studies. I was on, I've been on a worship team since I was 14 years old. I play guitar, sing, been the, I've done the church thing my whole life. And so I'm, I'm ticked. 
and I'm sitting in the truck and I hear three words. I hear, I love you. And that's it. I don't hear anything else. And I'm stuck and frustrated completely over the edge at this point. I'm exhausted. I, I can't look at myself in the mirror. I believe and think that everything in my life is under attack when it really wasn't, you know, it's the devil can be a nice scapegoat a lot of times for us avoiding personal responsibility. (laughs) And uh, it was one of those situations where I ended up, you know, my, my wife was gone one evening and I walked into my bathroom with, with my firearm and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just reminded for, I know it was God. I was reminded of when I had had that panic attack a few weeks prior and him saying, I love you. And I actually have a picture on my website that is the picture of me after I put the firearm down and just was staring at myself in the mirror. And you can see it on my face. You can see, you can see the face of depression looking at that picture. I was so depressed. And it was in that moment where I realized that all of the blame and all of the stuff that I, for my childhood and background and all, all the stuff I've been through a lot. I had a significant role to play in how all those things got interpreted and the meaning behind them. And I realized that I had just been playing the victim, an entitled victim that was, you know, confused because I love Jesus, but Jesus decided he didn't want to tell me what my calling was. So I just was making it up as I went along. And through the wake up call that really actually happened was a meeting that I had with one of my mentors. And we were sitting at this little Mediterranean restaurant Her named Sarah Cabra. She asked me a question. She looked me in the eyes and she said, David, who do you want to become? Mm. Now, Misty, I had, I had never even, I had never even thought to ask or be able to answer that question. So number one, I didn't think I had permission to answer that. That was God's job. God's supposed to tell me who I'm supposed to be. And then I'm supposed to align my life with what he says I'm supposed to do. Right. Although if you look in scripture, Jesus says often, like, what do you want? What is it that you want? Right. And that, that's, that's a really interesting question because we we think that, you know, it's going to be all laid out for us, but, but Jesus even says, what is it that you want? What do you really want? Like, do you want to be healed? Is that what you want? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be forgiven? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I had to interject that. Oh, I love it because that's what, when she asked me that question, like something short-circuited in my brain. Because my entire life, the only question that I had associated with anything around the future was, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do, 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 right? Which is a bunch of do-do, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so when she asked me that question, who do you want to become? Again, I had like, I short circuited and I said, I don't know. I don't even think I have permission to do that because my entire life has been spent begging God to tell me what I'm supposed to do and who I'm supposed to be. And it seems like everybody and their mother has it all figured out, but not this guy for whatever reason as committed as I am in my faith, as faithful as I am to the church and all of these things, for some reason, I get to be the ugly duckling for whatever reason. And it was through this process. She, she had me start doing some exercises and she asked me, she said, well, let's just pick an imaginary situation here. This can be a person, real past from a movie. What if you could pick a person 
And so you want your life to look a little bit like theirs, maybe some differences, but you're like that, that is who I can see myself becoming. And of course my answer is Jesus. And she's like, wrong answer. You can't say Jesus. (laughs) So so I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't know. And she said, well, pick anybody. I was like, well, honestly, probably somebody like somebody like Tony Robbins with a few less F words. I definitely don't want to travel as much as he does, but I love the fact that he's been able to create a career of focused service to empowering other people. I would approach it through a slightly different frame, but if I have to pick somebody that I kind of can see, it would be him. And that sent me down a road of starting to realize that my entire life of asking, what should I do? Should I take this job? Should I marry this woman? Should we have kids? What should I do? What should I do to fix my health? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? When I started to ask this question, who do I want to become? Every single thing in my life started to shift because when I started to, in that process, I started to understand vision for the first time in my life of what it means to actually have a vision for your life and to get crystal clear on who we want to be as parents, as followers of Jesus, as spouses, as entrepreneurs, or as team members, employees, as bosses, the man that I wanted to become, I started to find myself wrestling through. It was tough, but starting to give myself permission to define that. And the reason Misty that I had never defined it before is because I was so entrenched and conditioned into the belief system, not my will, but your will be done. David Waldy was not allowed to have a single thing that he wanted or a single thing that he needed. It was selfish and wrong for me to communicate my wants and my needs because it wasn't about me. That if I was to to talk to God or anybody else, for some reason, there was a belief system. And this is a jacked up belief system that told me you're not allowed to want anything for your life. Your life is not your own. This isn't about you. Your life is to be in service to the Lord. And if that means that you have to be broke, desperate in need and you know, destitute, and you got to make it through and struggle, then that's what you got to do. And so my entire world just got upended and I started to really dive into the scripture. And I started to find the Jesus that I grew up with was not the Jesus that I found in the Bible <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, And that set in motion, complete change in my life. That is, that's such an amazing story, but you're absolutely right. We get these preconceived ideas. So I can identify with you and your story a lot because I was born in the Midwest. Good Midwest girl. Like if you rest, like you are a slacker. Like I'm all about work, 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 do, do, do. And really God wants us to rest. He wants us to, yes, we do lay down our lives in service to him, but he wants us to enjoy the process. He wants us to enjoy him in the process of that. And, you know, it it took some really incredible circumstances for me to understand. And I think it's something that a lot of people really grapple with. And I'm so glad that you touched on it is just knowing that we are loved, not for anything that we do, but because we are. Because yeah. we are his children, he has made us all and has given us different 
giftings and talents and made us to look different and different shapes and sizes and colors. And it's all beautiful to him. We are all made in his image. And somewhere along the way, we begin to question what he's created, or we try to look for all of these external validations to fill us up. And none of that will ever, it will always miss the mark because the the prize is actually Jesus and it is time with Jesus and it is enjoying him. So I love it. Now you are one of the leading voices in high performance coaching. We work with emotional intelligence, business psychology, and empathy-based solutions that create transformational results with your clients and the leaders that you work with and the businesses that you work with. So break that down for me and tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So my heart for ministry, I like I've always had, but I, I, I never actually felt pulled into full-time ministry. I love serving, but, and so it was interesting because I always felt like I had some form of like pastoral heart to some degree. I love being in the trenches, kneecap to kneecap with people. I love talking about the challenging questions specifically around emotions, emotional intelligence and relating to ourselves and relating to other people. And so what happened that mentor that I mentioned she actually challenged me. She was like, David, do you realize that your approach, your, your philosophy to interacting with people and particularly in sales is unheard of. Like it's not common in the corporate world at all. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't feel like I'm good at sales. She's like, I know you don't, but the numbers don't lie. Again, at that time I was a top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. I was doing something right. And I started to realize that all of the things that I had resented for most of my life, especially as a man, like growing up, I knew that I had a very emotional side. I was a very emotional kid. I always, I still very emotional, like I'll cry at the drop of a hat. I'm just, <laughs> it was just as a man and growing up, especially in the Midwest, hardworking, like bootstraps, like you, it was very challenging for me because I felt like, these things that were characteristics that God hardwired as gifts into me, they weren't manly. So my top five strengths are empathy, inclusivity, connectedness, adaptability, and input. Every single time I took the same strengths finders test over the course of 15 years, same top five empathy, always number one. So as a kid growing up, I'm like, I empathy, that's a girly thing, right? I'm the guys aren't supposed to be empathetic. Well, I was so grateful to find out that my, my, again, mindset and perspective, my, my whole entire perspective around it was just wrong. And I stopped resenting these things that were natural gifts that got in placed inside of me. I started to realize like the whole reason that I was winning in business was because I just cared about people. Yeah. Like that was it. This, the factor for me that was, was so interesting was that she said, you can take your process and how you ask questions and you work with clients and you onboard and you take care of fulfillment and all this other stuff. She's like, you realize you could take this into other businesses and completely change their business forever. And I was terrified because entrepreneurship to me growing up, my dad was a veterinarian and, you know, being in the Midwest, always on call, small animal, large animal, there's a horse, there's a cow, there's something going on. Right. And so for me, my association with entrepreneurship was the inability to be present for your family. That was the frame. And I said, I'm never going to do that, especially if I start a family, I want to be present for my kids. So entrepreneurship was not on the table, but 
I say all this as a quick little background, Misty, because I started to realize that in defining who I wanted to become and starting to craft that image and falling back in love with who I was and who God had made me to be and really spending time in scripture, trying to understand from his perspective, like how does he see me and being able to step into that with confidence, not with entitlement or arrogance, like, yeah, this is who I am, but really just with this, it's a humble ownership. It's like, I recognize what I'm good at and I'm grateful for it, but I also know what I'm not good at and that's okay. And so this real ownership started to happen. And so I started a business. I ended up, I ended up getting contracted to do, became a speaker and head trainer for Tony Robbins within 12 months of actually saying that, which was wild to me. Started another business doing, we did a lot of stuff in the, the um, service-based boom several years back for digital marketers and stuff like that, helping people build online businesses. And long story short, over that process, I started to realize that although like I love business, I love sales and marketing. I love working with entrepreneurs. The heart for me in redefining success was helping people see what they were missing because most people were defining success in their lives by one metric. Either I'm an incredible you know, I have an incredible family life, but my health is in the trash and my finances are in the trash, or I'm, I'm really good on the financial side, but my family's suffering. My health is suffering, right? It was always, there was no harmony. And so I started to look at how can I not only help people to transform their lives and businesses, but how can I help them to better understand themselves, to fall back in love with who they are, to, to look at their identity and give themselves permission to dream a little bit bigger. And that sent me down the path of, of diving deep into behavioral psychology, neuroscience, understanding how the brain operates, how to change behaviors. And really it's all centered around a philosophy that I call fierce empathy. It's creating an environment where others can feel seen, heard, and understood, but simultaneously you're willing to speak the hard truth in love, regardless of whatever discomfort may follow is people need to feel that you love them, but you also can't walk on eggshells. So whether we overlay that in marriage or in business or in client relationships, or even in our relationship with ourselves, I found that this philosophy is much more in alignment with the Jesus that I find in scripture who did love everyone, but also was willing to speak the hard truth in love. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's grace and truth. That's what he talks about is we have to have both. It is a balance of both. You can't just be all love and no truth, right? I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to balance. And I'm so glad that you brought out understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. It's okay to know what we're not good at because that gives us an opportunity to learn, to grow, to better ourselves, or to just farm it out to somebody who's that's actually their gifting and let them do the thing that we're not good at. So as we're wrapping up here, we have a few more minutes. I would love for you to leave just some practical tips for someone who may yeah. be struggling to figure out what their gifting is or, or what they're called to do, or, or maybe they find their self in, in a life-changing season. What are a few tips that, that they can do to, to really lean mm-hmm into this fierce empathy? Yeah. So there's, there's two things that I recommend and I'll start with actually a quote from one of my, one of my coaches, one of my mentors, he told me one time, he said, there's a lot of people that struggle with calling. Like, what's my calling? What's the next step? Like I'm seeking the Lord's will for whatever. And he said, what if the calling and purposes of God and just as a, what if, what if it's not an expectation to live up to? 
What if it's not something that you could fail? What if instead it was an invitation into limitless potential in discovering all that God has placed inside of your heart? For anyone that's listening that is looking at, hey, what are my next steps? What is What, what am I feeling called towards or, or whatever? The most useful thing that I have found, uh, there's, there's really two parts here. One is taking these things that are inside of your heart and placing them before the Lord, asking for wisdom, but recognizing that we are called co-laborers for a reason. And a lot of times we talk about that through the frame of I'm partnering with God and I get it. And it makes sense. But I often wonder, especially, and I think you get this Misty, the perspective of a parent. When we look at our kids, if your kids, Misty, were every single day coming to you saying, mom, I don't want to tell you what I want. I don't want to tell you what I want to pursue. I, my, my dreams don't matter. I only want what you want me to do, mom. I'm not, I'm not going to even tell you what I want. I only want what you want, mom, not, not my will, but your will be done. It's a completely different perspective when we start to look at the father through that lens of recognizing that we as parents, we can't parent kids that are perfect. That's right. Parenting doesn't matter anymore. It's non-essential. If your kids are perfect, you can't parent them. That's right. So I think that there's this freedom and grace of saying, Lord, I want to share what my heart is with you. And I'm going to pursue these things that are inside of my heart, trusting that you will parent me, that you will guide me, that you will correct me, that I will walk according to faith, knowing that it's one step at a time. Your word's a lamp under my feet. It's not a spotlight. I can't see a mile ahead. So I'm going to pursue these things, trusting that you'll lead and guide me. And the most practical way I've found to do that, Misty, is two things is making a list of all the things in your life that you're dissatisfied with and making on the left-hand side and then on the right-hand side, writing what you would prefer or desire instead. When you start to do this, you start to recognize what areas of your life you're actually in control of. Because most often the things that we're dissatisfied with, we tend to pawn off on the devil or on God and we forget that there is a component of personal responsibility. And I truly believe with everything inside of me that a lot of times our waiting on God is actually him waiting on us. Yeah. And he's like, kiddo, I'm ready to rock when you are like, I, you, you got to take a step. You got to move forward. And that in that he wants to go labor with us and these things that are submitted really to and trust and believe maybe, Maybe those dreams and desires, those things that anyone has felt selfish their entire life about, like, I can't pursue that. I can't be too much. I got to play small. I got, what if, this is the question I love to ask everyone. What if those dreams and desires were actually placed there by God? Boom. I believe that because I believe he plants those seeds in our heart so that we can do his will so that he gives us that desire so that we can fulfill the desire of our heart. David, this has been amazing. I have loved getting to know you a little bit better and your story and all of the things that you do. We're going to put the information to connect with you in the show notes. And I would encourage y'all to to follow his journey, check out his coaching and uh, Uh, Just love the work that you're doing and thankful for you taking time out to be with us today to inspire us to live the life that God is calling us to live. Thank you, Misty. It was an honor to be here. I appreciate you. 
Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Philip, and I would love to connect with you there. 